All right, if you'll stand for the reading of God's Word, I'm going to talk about living in the presence of God. How many of you want to live in the presence of God? You, we need to catch that. I, I need, if you catch nothing else, I need you to catch this today. Are you ready? This is what I need you to catch. It is not about how far from the line we can, we can get away from sin. It's about how close to God we can get. It's not about fighting off and saying, I'll, I'll live right, I'll live right, I'll live right, I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do right, I'm going to do right. It's about how close to God can I get. Because the more God you get in you, the more He changes your heart and your desires and your appetites. Everything changes when you get in God. Everything changes for the better. Someone shout amen to that. Uh, you can uh, look up version. We have those version notes on your phones. If you've got version, How many of you do version notes? Right? Yeah, praise God. Take advantage of version notes. They're on there. You can take notes as you go. We have uh, organized notes in there already, but you can add to them. Save them. You can always refer back to them. All right. Living in the presence of God. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Uh, Holly, that's the first book of the Bible. Genesis. I'll pay for that later. <laughs> but it sure was fun. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Good to see Brother Ray Daniel back with us. I heard his back, and here he is. We've been praying for you. Praise God. Amen. Genesis chapter 1. Sorry, if you're new here, I'm a squirrel kind of person. I'm just focused, 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 and I see someone. Hey, Ryan, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> amen. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 27. If you have it, shout out a good Amen. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image. So, so amazing. We're the only creature created in his image. In our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So he created, so God created mankind in his own image. We are creating the image of God. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them and I'm gonna I'm gonna break this down for you uh, here in just a moment. But if you will take your Bibles in whatever form you brought them this morning and just and just hold them up and we're gonna declare and we're gonna pray. And I, I want you just to declare with me, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus, and I ask you to help me to be a doer of your word and not a hearer only, deceiving my own self. Now, Lord, anoint my ears, anoint my heart. Anoint my spirit, my soul, my mind, and my body to receive the truth of your word. In Christ's name I pray. And Lord God, I ask God you to anoint me to speak forth your word straight from the throne of God into our hearts. I pray not one word of my own, but every word from you, God. And I pray, God, let my preaching today be not in word and tongue only, but also in power and in deed. Anoint our ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. Anoint our eyes, enlighten the eyes of our understanding, God. I pray, God, open our eyes to the gospel. Open our eyes to the truth of your word this morning. In Christ's name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. High five two or three people as you're being seated. An especially verbal and boisterous young boy at a church in Kentucky was getting a little rambunctious and his father was irate, picked him up over his arm under his arms and began to take the boy out with flailing arms and legs, and you could see the red face of the father and the congregation 
never really paid much attention to it. They never even raised an eyebrow until the little boy about halfway back through the church as they're going out the back door in a sweet, southern, charming, southern accent said, Y'all pray for me now. <laughs> John Bunyan said, He who runs from God in the morning will scarcely find him the rest of the day. Isn't that amazing? Early African converts to Christianity uh, were very sincere in their devotions and their time with God and their intimacy with God and their regularity. And they would have a thicket kind of cut out and the, uh, a place cut out in the thicket around their, their villages where they lived. And over time, the path would get worn down as they would walk that path back and forth. Well, if you weren't going to prayer on a regular basis... It soon became evident to the rest of the village because your path wasn't as worn. And so the brothers and sisters of the village would gently come up to the brother and would say, Brother, the grass grows on your path. In other words, you ain't praying. You ain't seeking God. I wonder how many of us would want the rest of us to see what the path to your prayer closet looked like. Is the grass growing on your path? The essence of prayer and the prayer altar is to come into the presence of God. If you go and you give a list of requests to God and walk out and never enter into His presence, you have missed the whole point of prayer. The point of prayer is to come in to the presence of Almighty God. It is out of His presence that we have light for our path, that we get wisdom and understanding, that we get power to face all the challenges that you and I will face. When we don't live in the presence of God, we get off track. When we do live in the presence of God, we can tell when even the slightest thing throws us off kilter. I mean, know what I'm talking about. And you can discern and say, man, something's just throwing this whole thing a little bit off here. As we live in the presence of God, our hearts become soft. Our hearts become pliable. Our hearts become uh, uh, open and yielded to what God is trying to do in our lives. How many of you want your heart to be soft to God, to the commands of God, to the voice of God, to the word of God? So point number one is this. Everybody say point number one. Saturate your life with His presence. I'm telling you, this is the greatest way to overcome darkness in your life and for us to overcome darkness in our community, in our neighborhood, and among those around us. Saturate ourselves in the presence of Almighty God. Spend time saturating in the Word of God and interacting with God in prayer, communing with Him. As you do, your inner self will begin to cleanse. You will feel the difference within yourself. You'll feel anxieties and worry drop off. You'll feel faith rise. You'll feel peace rise. You'll feel the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. Your lifestyle, your thought processes, your appetites, your desires will begin to change for the things of God. You will, li you will, you will, you will likely and slowly begin to grow in God and, and carry a greater weight of His glory around with you the more you saturate yourself with Him. Wow. The depth of communion will become greater than anything you've ever known. How many of you want that for your life? The greater challenge and the greatest challenge is to stay connected to God throughout the day. 
It's easy, even if you connect with him at one part of the day, to just kind of live the rest of the day on your own. But do you connect with God all day long? One of my prayers regularly is, God, help me to walk with you. Walk with me, God. Be my best friend. Talk with me. Lead me. Guide me. Direct me. Shine through me. God, I pray people not see me, but Jesus send me and through me. Let the Spirit of God shine through me. Let the Word of God beam from my life. Let me get so filled with you that you seep out of me to those around me. That's where it's at. As, as we do, God will quiet our souls and soften our hearts and we'll yield to Him. And in your Bible, Genesis 1, 26 and 27, it said, God made man in His own image and His likeness. That means that God did something different in us as human beings than He did the rest of creation. He created us in His likeness. And we are something special. I want you to know that. We are special. And He enables us, because of how He created us in His likeness, to be able to connect with Him in a way that no other creation can. There's something different about human beings. Because of our likeness to Him, we have the ability to connect to God and to His desires. Genesis 2.7 says this, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground, and watch this very closely, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. God blew the breath of life into Adam, into us as human beings. He did not do that with any other creation. That means we are connected to God. We are, there, there's a part of us that is supposed to connect with Him on a regular basis. And when we're not connecting with Him, that's when we get frustrated and anxious and worry and all the emotions, the negative emotions, because we're not saturating ourselves. We were designed and created to regularly connect with God, to regularly come into His presence. God placed his likeness inside Adam so Adam would receive the revelation from God what God's heart on the matter of things is. So Genesis 2, 19 through 20. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. So he formed the animals like he did man of the ground. But only mankind did he breathe the breath of life in. He brought them to man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So an animal would come in front of Adam, and he would just give it a name out of the clear blue sky. How many of you think that Adam came up with that all on his own? I don't believe that for a second. I don't believe for a second Adam just said, well, that big one over there, that looks like that's going to be an elephant. And that long neck one, we're going to call that a giraffe. I, I don't believe that. I believe as he was walking with God and he was communing with God, God, he was connecting with what God had already determined to name those animals. And the revelation of that came into his spirit and then he projected it forward. It's the same way with you and I, brothers and sisters. As we walk with God, as we connect with God, Answers to life and questions that we need, uh, like where do you live? What job do you take? Where do you attend church? What ministry do I get involved in? 
What college do I go to? What degree do I go after? What offerings do I give? How do I solve this problem? What steps do I take? All the questions that we have in life that we are in need of, everything that we have need of, if we'll just commune with God, we'll get the download from God, so to speak, the mind of Christ on the matter, and we'll have the answers and the revelation we need. How much are we praying for? What are the things that we're praying for that because we're not taking time to enter into His presence, we're not getting answers to our own prayers? We're so quick to run out of the prayer closet. We're so quick to run on to the next thing in life that we don't pause long enough to just saturate ourselves in His presence. So many times it's been out of saturating myself in His presence that God has directed us. That he's given us fresh revelation. That he's downloaded answers to so many questions. The deeper the communion with God, the deeper the revelation. So in Genesis 3, 1 through 7, you know they, the, the Adam and Eve sinned. Sin breaks the fellowship with God. And when fellowship with God is broken, what did they do? They hid from God. When, they, when the fellowship with God is broken, they disconnected from God. God is life. So when we disconnect from God, we're disconnecting from life. Genesis 2.17. You must not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will certainly die. Die spiritually. So Genesis 3.8-10. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. One of the most awful things that happens when we get disconnected from God is we do what Adam and Eve did. And we try to hide from God. And so there are good people out there that have messed up bad. They have made some major mistakes. Now they feel unworthy to even try to connect to God anymore. They say, I can't come to God. I'm embarrassed and I'm shamed. I want to tell you, I, I command shame to go back to hell where it's from. There's only one perfect man that ever walked this earth and he was nailed to a cross for our sins. Nobody else is perfect. We've all done stupid stuff. We've all done stuff we regret. We've all said things we wish we could take back. Every single one of us. And I want to tell you, we need to create an atmosphere in this house where people that feel ashamed and feel like they can't connect with God anymore can come in, be loved on, and realize, wait a minute, God's not ready to kill them. God wants to forgive them and bring them back into fellowship. That's what Jesus came for. Somebody shout amen. When we struggle to come near to God in our prayer times, listen to what I'm going to say. When we struggle to come near to God during our prayer time, we give up too easily. We, we explain away the lack of communion as just a bad day. We just throw in the towel. I, I just can't get in the presence of God today, so I'm going to go on about my life. Instead of pressing through, instead of struggling through until we encounter the presence of God. How many of you can recognize the difference between when you're praying and when you really enter into His presence? How many of you can recognize? We've got to persevere until we get in His presence. We don't seek to go deeper because we're accustomed to not entering into His presence. I want to say that again. We don't seek to go deeper because we get accustomed to not entering to His presence. 
So when we come to church on a Sunday and you encounter His presence, you think, wow, man, it feels foreign to you. But that's how we're supposed to feel every single day. It shouldn't be foreign feeling to enter into His presence. It should be normal. It should be so normal to get into His presence that when we don't, we say, man, I don't know what's going on here, but something ain't jiving. I hear it quacking, I hear it talking, but it ain't waddling like a duck. Something's got to change. How many know what I'm talking about? You ever been there? You ever been in one of those services where you're like, okay, God ain't here, but everybody's shouting the house down anyways. They're going through the motions like something really is happening. And in your spirit, you're saying, man, I don't know what's going on here, but something ain't. Or you get in the prayer closet, and you're praying the prayers, and you're worshiping, but it's not jiving. You know it's not working. You stop and you say, what's happening here? It should be a normal thing for us to enter His presence. It should be abnormal for us to not enter His presence. But in America, in the American church, we're so accustomed to not entering His presence, and we're okay with that, that we just, don't, we just let it go. We get easily distracted. We take prayer lightly. We lose heart because we forget that one of the greatest benefits to serving Christ is it's our birthright to enter into His presence. It is your birthright to have communion with a holy, almighty God. It's your birthright. Poke your neighbor and say, it's my birthright. That means it belongs to me. Then I have the right to enter into His presence. As a matter of fact, Hebrews 4.16 says to enter boldly into the throne of grace. God tells us in His Word, don't even just come, well, God, if you'll just kind of. No, God says, bust up in there boldly. Look, when my girls come home from college, they don't just knock on the door and then, you know, can I come in? What do they do? They bust the door down. And if it's locked, they beat. ba 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 you know it's coming. Why'd you lock the door? How many know what I'm talking about? It shouldn't it be the same? That's what God is saying. He said, come boldly to the throne of grace. March up in there like you. I have a right to be in there and say, I have shown up to have an audience with Almighty God. That's what God said in His Word to do. Woo! Somebody shout Glory. The result is when we don't enter in, our altars fall into disrepair. Because it's not being used. And we have, we have, here we go, we have a form but no power. We say words but there are no hearts behind it. We say, well, I went and I prayed and I said my words and I gave him my list and I went on. There's no power in that. In the United States, there used to be, it's not anymore, but when I was a little boy, there used to be the gold standard. How many know what I'm talking about? That meant you had to have gold backing those dollar bills. Well, clearly we don't have gold backing the dollar bills anymore. But it used to be back in the day before all of our politicians decided to get us in debt over our eyeballs to where we could never get out of debt again. You used to be in this country, they would print money only based on how much gold they had backing it. Now the money, pay it's just it's useless, basically. It's just paper with nothing backing. You know, there's so many times that we're just like the United States of America. We say some words, but there's no power backing it. 
We say some words so we can feel good and ease our conscience to tell ourselves, well, we made our prayers. But did we enter his presence? Because if you didn't enter in his presence, you get no power, you get nothing. You just said words out loud. Can anybody understand what I'm trying to say with the differences here? So point number two is this. Practice communion with God, not disciplines. I want you to hear my heart here. I used to see prayer and reading my Bible and worship as disciplines. I used to see it as something that you would take and you would check off the list that day. Okay, did I, did I pray? Yep, I prayed. Did I say these three prayers? Yep, I said the three prayers. Did I read my, yep, I read my Bible. Yep, did I worship? Yep, I said my worship songs. Yep, I, I checked the list. I'm feeling good about myself. I'm going to bed tonight. And so we check off the list like it's daily chores at home. If that's what your relationship with Christ is like, like mine used to be, it's a sign that there's some maturing to go on. Faithful to follow, but it's just a daily ritual. It's a religious exercise to ease your mind to check the list off. But as I've matured, as I've grown in Christ, I've begun to understand a relational model. Now I begin to say, well, you know what? I don't have to check the list off. Did I crawl up in daddy's lap today? Have I been personal and intimate with God today? Have I met with the maker today? Because he knows what we need before we ask. So I don't have to take a list and then go back to it and say, Oh, God, 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 I forgot these two little things right here. If we just get into his presence... I've learned that my time with God is more than a checklist. It is a time of intimacy. It would be like you, husbands, taking a checklist. Well, did I tell my wife, hey, well, I've got my checklist here. Let me pull it out. Well, I told Holly I love her today. Well, I love you, honey. Check. You're so beautiful, baby. Check. I'm going to take you to a good lunch today. Check. You can go by the ice cream parlor. Check. Right, so we get in there, what do we do? We check, 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 check. How many of you wives want your husbands carrying around a checklist with them? Yep. I talked to you today, check. How, raise your hand, women, if you want a husband that carries a checklist around so he knows to check off every little thing to make sure you guys are good. Anybody want that? Not one wife in here. Then why do we think God wants that? Why do we think God wants us carrying around our spiritual checklist so that we can say we conquered our disciplines? My wife doesn't want me to manufacture something. She doesn't want me checking off a list. She wants our intimacy birthed out of an ongoing daily relationship with her. A genuine, heartfelt, where husband and wife, we just have a genuine relationship. That's the way God is. Approaching a father who loves you. Your time becomes personal and intimate. I still worship and pray and read my Bible, but my mindset has shifted now. It's gone from the checklist to now, I just want to get into your presence. God said, don't let the fire go out in your heart. The fire the fire on the altar. Don't, don't let the fire on the altar go out. In the Old Testament, don't ever let the fire go out at the altar. In the New Testament, the altar is our hearts. 
God is saying, don't ever let the fire be extinguished from your hearts. How do you do that? You never let the fire go out in your heart when you have an ongoing, walking relationship with God. And you can't do that in a three-minute prayer session. I can't even repent in three minutes. Anybody feel like I do? You say, oh, my God, what's wrong with pastor? He's, man, he's out there. He's some kind of awful sinner. I'm just, I can't even repent for sometimes the motives of my heart, some of the thoughts, some of the attitudes. I'm like, man, God, i got to change. I feel like Paul. The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. Oh, wretched man that I am. Anybody ever feel that way before? You can't. You can't enter his presence in a 30-second prayer over the meal and a two-minute night-night prayer. you got to enter into this presence. Somebody say amen. As I come to, in, into the presence of God, my heart becomes open and yielded to his leadership. I become responsive to what he says. My heart is pliable in his hands. I begin to follow what he's saying to do. I become obedient to his voice. I become focused on him. Oh, I want this so much for my life. I wish I could tell you I was always that way, but the fact is I'm not. I like Dallas Howard better when I am that way. I wished I was that way all the time. Why am I not? And the only answer is it's me. Because I'm not taking time to enter his presence every day like I should. Wow. It's the most important life-giving thing that you could ever walk in. Is to just commune with him. When you first begin to build the altar, it's very difficult to come into his presence. Because your heart is hard and crusty. And you may be here today and you say, man, I've tried that. I pray for 15 seconds. I don't even know what to do after that. Put on some worship and just begin to worship. Begin to soften your heart. It's kind of like if it's really dry, like, oh, I don't know now. And you get, you get the ground. Have you ever seen the ground? It's really dry and it's cracked. If you just take a water hose at full steam and you put it on there, what's it going to do? It's not going to saturate. It's going to run off. You got to kind of get that ground wet a little bit you got to start getting it loosened up. you got to start. How do you do that? The Bible says we plow the ground of our hearts with worship. You begin to worship. I promise you this. You may just sing the songs of the words for a few minutes. But eventually, all of a sudden, you're going to feel the fire ignite in your heart. What's happening? You're preparing the heart of your ground for the presence of God. Now your heart can prepare the full onslaught of that hose, that water gushing out. But you've got to get your heart right and ready for that. Your inner being has to be tended to. There are many times, many things that we allow to come in and keep the fire from from growing inside of us. Whether it be disappointments and fear or sin or whatever it is. And when you come into the presence of God, you allow Him to clean all that out. Get the ashes off the fire so the fire can burn. When you come into the presence of God, it's like a campfire. If you leave the ashes, eventually the fire is going to get choked out. And what happens is when you come into the presence of God and you meet with Him, He begins to just clean all that junk out and all the ashes and all the residue of the past. And He says, okay, now we're ready to burn. Wow. 
You've got to keep the fire stoked all day long by walking with him throughout the day. Continually tending the altar of your hearts. We simply must live in his presence 24-7. Just like a fish was meant to live in water, we as Christians can only thrive when we live in the presence of God. So keep that fire going. Poke your neighbor and say, keep that fire burning. Point number three is this. Carry the presence of God everywhere with you. As we understand what attracts his presence We become sensitive to His presence. And this opens us up to His presence and it lights a fire in our hearts. How many of you, even as I'm preaching, there's a fire being lit in your heart to want to go into the presence of God? Anybody? Anybody like, man, I want to get in His presence? Yes. Once the fire is lit, watch this. You are no longer just saying words out loud in a form of prayer. You're no longer reading your three chapters of the Bible and just they're just words on a page. You're no longer doing some kind of discipline. Now you're entering into His presence and you're seeking God. You have now created an ongoing communion prayer altar in your heart. That's what God wants. Wow. The altar you now created is more than just saying those prayers and all. It's actually communing with Him. It's actually walking with Him. It's actually being with Him. Is anybody catching what I'm trying to say today? This creates continuous open heavens around you and it keeps the heavens open above you. The key difference between saying prayers and meeting with God in an altar is the presence of God. Never go to the altar or prayer closet again and walk away without having entered the presence of God. And if you're not entering, stop and say, God, what's going on? Is there some kind of sin I don't know about in my life? Lord, I repent. That's why I start my prayers with repentance. I I want it all cleaned out so I can enter His presence. Then if I'm not entering, I think, well, what am I doing wrong here? Maybe it's because I'm just bursting in, just giving a bunch of requests. Let me pull back and do what the Bible says. Enter his courts with praise and into his gates with thanksgiving. Let me just pull back. God, I'm sorry. I started throwing a bunch. Lord, I just want to thank you. And I'm telling you, it works every time. And then here's a good one, man. I don't know. God's just attracted to this. But you get on your knees. Ephesians 3.14 says that we, we, we come before him on our knees in prayer. But when you get in a posture like this, the humility of it, when you say, oh God, I need you. Oh God, I can't do it another day without you. God, I don't know what's going on, but I need your presence. Oh God, would you come be with me? I, I don't know what it is about that. But there's something about getting on your knees and putting your face to the floor that God says, I like it. And man, you feel the presence of God come. And oh, you can get so lost in the presence of God. When you're praying without the presence of God, 10 minutes of prayer will feel like five hours. But when you're in the presence of God, two hours can go by and you think, where did the time go? The difference is the presence of God. The objective of prayer should change for us from being about the disciplines of reading, praying, and worshiping to seeking God and entering His presence. When you're just praying and you're just trying to check off the list, it'll get lifeless, it'll get dull, it'll get boring. But oh, when you enter His presence, it is filled with life. 
It is filled with vitality. It is filled with Him. And joy enters your heart. And peace floods in. And, and, and He is there. And you just, you're like a little kid. You just smile and say, man, it's good to be alive. Can anybody relate what I'm talking to? You'll hear God speak and the words will jump off the page at you. And finally, my last point is extremely practical. So I want you to, I want you to sit up. I want you to take in because I, I'm, I'm telling you, this is one of the greatest ways to enter into His presence. And that is draw the presence of God by staying in the Word. The Word, the Word, the Word. Everybody say the B-I-B-L-E. Oh, yes, it's the book for me. Amen. Joshua chapter 1, verse 7 through 8. I mean, God gives us the answer right here in the Old Testament. Only be strong and very courageous. How do you do that? That you may observe to do according to all the law, the word, which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. Right there, God says, you will prosper everywhere you go if you stick to my word. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Wow. That means we're supposed to speak the word. But you shall meditate in it day and night. Like a cow chews the cud and molds it over and over. We're supposed to mull the word over and over and over. And then speak the word out loud. That you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then. Everybody say then. After you've saturated yourself in the Word, after you've meditated on the Word, after you've spoken the Word and it's become a part of your daily life, then and only then you will make your way prosperous. God promises us prosperity if we'll just stay in His Word. And then you will have good what? Is that what the Word says? He said, he showed Joshua and us. He says, meditate on the word. Saturate yourself in it. Mull it over and over. Speak the word. Speak the word. I find myself speaking the word and I'm doing it out loud. And then I start looking around, realizing somebody's around me. They think I'm talking to myself. I find myself here lately. I'm speaking life to everything. Man, I'm speaking the word over my plants. I'm speaking the word over my kids. I'm speaking the word over you, over the church. I'm speaking the word over my vehicles. I'm speaking life over my house, over our ministry. I do. I'm just finding myself. I'm just speaking life. I'm just speaking the word over it. I figure, you know what? It ain't going to hurt nothing. His word should be the first thing that comes into our mind when we have a problem or an issue or we need direction. What does God say? John 1, 1 through 3 says the world was created by the word of God. Hebrews 1, 3 says he upholds everything by the power of his word. Woo! Hebrews 4, 12, I love this. For the word of God is living and create and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. If you've got family or friends not saved, if you can just start getting them in the word of God, the word of God will seep down in there and it will save their soul. Psalm 119.9. How can any young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your... 
Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the whole Bible. And yet every verse declares something that it makes a cry for something. You know what it is? It's a cry for the Word of God. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 35, that heaven and earth will pass away. Everything you see now is going to go away. But my word shall endure forever. Look, I'm not a proponent of going and destroying the earth. I love nature. I connect with God better in nature than anywhere. If I can just go find a mountain somewhere or a lake or a tree, I just connect with God. Or a golf course. I love that too. I could just, I just connect with God in nature. I do. I love it. I love nature. But man, I, I, I tell people sometimes, I have family members. And I, oh, oh, we got global warming. We got all this. We got that. I said, you think it's hot now? The Bible says it's all going to burn. It's all going to burn. So don't worry about it, because God's got a new one for us. Am I just saying, let's go out and destroy it? No, I mean, we need to be careful and all that. But hey, here's the deal. When you have the Word of God deep down in your heart and deep down in your soul, you begin to worry a little less about stuff. You begin to realize, wait a minute, here's what the Word of God says. If we really understood the importance of the Word of God, if we really understood... That that is one of the key ways to enter in His presence. We would push everything else aside and make it the number one priority of every day of our life. If you are going to create an atmosphere that is drawing God's presence. His word must be the centerpiece of your life. Approach the word like little children that don't have God figured out. I'm going to get very practical for about the next five minutes. Approach the reading of the Word of God like a child who's never heard of God and never read the Word. Take the things that your former church or this church or any other church has taught you, grandmammy taught you, and just read the Bible with fresh eyes. When I started reading the Bible with fresh eyes one day, it hit me. 1 Corinthians 14, I used to think speaking in tongues was for other people. And then I read 1 Corinthians 14, 5. It says, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaks to God. I said, wow. That changed my whole philosophy and desire to speak in tongues. Because I realized you're talking straight to God. Because that's what the Bible says. I think we ought to give God a big hand clap of praise right there. Begin to read the Bible as students seeking to know God. Here's some great questions you can ask yourself. Who is the God in these pages? What's he like? What what does he want? What are his plans? What What are his attributes and his values? Come to God with an open heart and mind to learn, discern, to understand who God is. What he wants. Don't don't read each day just to get direction to handle a problem or get a moment of peace. Those things are good. Well, you know, I just need a moment of peace. Let me get in the Word. That's good. But read to have your soul saturated in the Word of God. Pray before you read, God, reveal yourself to me. The the Word helps us become God-centered and God-focused instead of self-centered and self-focused. The Word changes our appetites and our desires and our perspective. The, the Word will fix your want-to. We've got a lot of broken want-tos in the church. 
There's a lot of people that don't want to read their Bible. They don't want to pray. They don't want to come to church. They don't want, and they force themselves. I'm going to tell you, when you start getting in the presence of God, you don't have to force yourself anymore. You will want to. Your heart will burn to get there. You won't, well, honey, I guess get the kids up. We're going to have to go to church again. It's Sunday. Uh Uh-uh, you'll be up at 6 in the morning. Bless God, everybody's getting up in this house early. We're going to the house of God. We're going to be there at 9.15 and pray with everybody. We're going to get in the presence of God. We're going to worship. I don't talk to me about no lunch. I don't want to hear nothing about after church until I go meet with God. Woo! Man, when you get in the presence of God, your heart burns for Him. It says I got to have more. Is anybody's heart burning right now? Don't just read bits and snacks of the Word of God. Soak yourself in it day by day by day. Start reading chapters, entire chapters of the Bible. Read large chunks. Read five chapters, ten chapters at a setting. Just saturate yourself. When's the last time you sat down and just started reading? It's, oh man, I read ten chapters. Just read it. We're getting very practical right now. Don't mix studying and reading. Just read. What do you mean? When you're reading, differentiate yourself between the Word of God and the words of men. You may have a wonderful Bible study with notes. And I'm cool with that. I have lots of Bible studies that I use. But listen to me. Don't read the study notes as part of your Bible reading. They are not the Word of God. They are the words of men. They are not the Word of God. They are man's interpretation and understandings of the Word. When you have leisure time, go back and study all that. That's cool. But when you're Bible reading, just read the Bible. Even the subheadings, listen, even the subheadings in your Bible are not the Word of God. They're man's attempt to organize and kind of pull sections together to tell you what it's about. Why let a man influence you and what the Bible says? Why not just let God tell you? Don't read a subheading and say, okay, well, now I know what the next 15 verses is about. Now you've let man determine that for you. Why not just read? That's what I love about you, version. You just read. Wow, someone say amen. There will be times when you don't understand or enjoy what you're reading. Don't worry, just read. If you're sleepy, get up and walk and just read. Just read, read, read. Psalm 119, 117. Sustain me and I will be rescued. Then I will meditate continually on your decrees, on your word. Psalm 103, 1 through 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. We just sang it. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. You may need to tell your soul, soul, why are you sad inside of me? Why are you angry? Why are you weary? Why are you frustrated? You, you may need to take your Bible and say, soul, you're not enjoying this right now, but you're still going to take it in. You may not enjoy the medicine, but you're going to take it in, body, because I need you to get better. And I want to tell you, you, don't, don't, you can't go by feelings. You can't just sit there and read the Bible and say, well, I'm not enjoying this, so I'm putting it up. No, you need to tell your soul. Talk to your soul. David did. And say, soul, you may not be enjoying this right now, but you're going to read it anyways. Because when I need it, it's going to come out of me. Somebody say amen. 
Read the whole book. That's why we're doing what we're doing. God's challenge to us. You read the whole book. It gives you a perspective of the context of the chapter. It gives you the, 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 the Jewish historical perspective. Why did God say what he did to those group of people? You begin to understand the context of whole books at a time. It is so important. And when you approach the, reading the Bible like this, you begin to saturate yourself in the word of God. And then you begin to really, truly enter his presence. You're reading to try to know him. Your Bible reading then becomes not just reading, but actually receiving a story from the author. You actually catch the heart of the author who is God. Wow. Separate your reading times from Bible study times. What do I mean by that? When reading the Bible, you're not trying to analyze. Just get the story. When studying the word, ask questions like this. Why did he say that? What is the background of that? What, what, how did events come to that? How did God say, come to say such a thing? What is the history and culture of the setting of this? What's the context? Who are the main characters of this part of the Bible and why? So my question to you is, do you want to enter into his presence? We enter into his courts with praise, into his gates with thanksgiving. We saturate ourselves with the word of God. I'm going to give you some time right where you're seated. If you want, just like in weeks past, you can turn, you can put your knees on the ground. I I just feel like maybe there's somebody like me. Maybe you want to find you a spot where you can just put your knees on the ground and your your face towards the ground. You say, "I I just want to come before him worship I want you to close your eyes and forget anybody else is around you want to find a spot if you just are comfortable only to just sit in your chair that's fine or if you're only physically able for that that's cool I feel like there's somebody else out here you, you want to find you a spot so you can get on your knees and put your head to the ground so be it do it maybe turn around and make your chair an altar put your knees down and your elbows in the chair just begin to seek God they're going to lead us in a song begin to worship you'll feel his presence begin to ask him to help you saturate yourself in him every day glory to God find find this heart of prayer we have we have time to pray don't leave without getting into his presence this morning